reborn out of disaster, four survivors rose again to form a legion of the world's strangest heroes. Da-da-da-doom Patrol! Is Murray Fox, and this week we are looking at Doom Patrol number 26 from September 1989. Oh, yeah, September 89. Yes. Grant Morrison, Richard Case, new inker John Nyberg. And new cover artist Simon Bisley. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the first. Yes. The first. This, I know that because this <laughs> is the very first Doom Patrol, uh, Morrison Doom Patrol issue I bought. All righty. I bought it specifically on the strength of this cover. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's like, wow, that is wild. I gotta, I gotta read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he does this, like a run of the covers, right? Like he's on right. Pretty much, yeah. He goes straight through till yeah. Mm, I want to say fifty. At l- yeah, yeah, at least. I don't know if he goes beyond. I can't remember. I can think of the white cover. After. Actually, I'm pretty sure he does go beyond it. He's actually the regular cover artist yeah. for the rest of Morrison's run. And then there's some guest artists and like some Tom Taggart covers later on of the model ones, which are really cool. Uh, obviously, the, the Ken Stacey cover that uh, does that uh, crazy issue where Danny the Street dreams about the Doom Patrol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great issue as well. But yeah, so the... the the Brotherhood of Dada here on the Simon Bisley cover is just uh, crazy sauce, and it, it drew me in and brought me back. Actually, brought me right back to comics. This is the one that got me back into wow. buying comics regularly again. This cover right here. Off. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, we've got this cool cover. We've got the Brotherhood of Dada on the cover with, on like a pink background with all sorts of little, I don't know. Words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. All righty. We open in Japan. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Japan with Sunburst. So Sunburst is funny, too, because he was in one of the very first DC comics I ever bought. Oh, he was, really? Uh, he was a Superman with, uh, I think it was DC Comics Presents. Okay, okay. Either fighting Sunburst or... Summers was helping him. I'm not sure what was going on there. But. Yeah, he was around. I think he was in a Superboy issue too and showed up in Crisis a little bit. And now here he is. We've got him here in Doom Patrol land. Well, Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and this sunburst is like he's a, he is a super media star here. He's a, Got like oh, it's Japan. It's Japan, of course. <laughs> so he's so got the big into the cosplay of stuff. So I mean, if he's a real superhero, that's one better than that, I guess. Totally, totally. He's got the media following him around everywhere he goes. Um, anyway, yeah. So we're in Japan, and and uh, someone is saying, "I didn't expect to see you again quite so quickly." Sunburst. Is it customary for you to devote so much time to your captured enemies? He says, well, she's hardly an enemy, Doctor. Granted, the poor girl appeared from nowhere on Monday and started to hit me, but that doesn't make her an enemy. 
<laughs> That's a figure of speech. Nothing more. Yes, I watched the battle on television. She certainly gave you a hard time. Only at first. She calmed down after I broke her arms and her legs. <laughs> well, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the uh, the guy points to the media and he's like, do they follow you everywhere? And Sunburst says, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> After hours with Sunburst. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that must be rather disconcerting. And he's like, well, it's the price one pays for the privilege of being Japan's greatest superhero. The Adventures of the New Sunburst is the country's most popular television show. Yes, my own son watches every episode, reads the manga too. Sometimes I wonder if all that violence is healthy. And Sunburst is like, I don't mean to interrupt, Doctor. <clears throat> but if we might return to the subject of the girl, you mentioned that you'd worked out how her powers operate. As a matter of fact, yes, we did. It's very strange, very strange indeed. And while he's talking, <clears throat> in the background we get like a colored mist with little sparklies all over the place kind of seeping in through the vent. We'll get back to that mist shortly. <laughs> and uh, the doctor's saying, the thing is, you see, she seems to have every superpower that you haven't thought of. I beg your pardon, says Sunburst. Yeah, the only way to strip her of her abilities is to think of all the superpowers you can. As you think of them, she loses them. Hmm, well, there's flight, and of course there's super strength. Don't forget super breath. That's a real killer. <laughs> super breath, yes. You, you might have... Coming really sort of nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 we're getting there. Uh, you may also find she's a little paranoid about dirt. Invulnerability, super speed, x-ray vision, super ventriloquism, um, telescopic limbs. <laughs> and they open up the, uh, the padded room there and they see this poor little girl all strapped up in a straight jacket. And uh, she's like, go away, get out, get out, get out, get out. Now then, there's no need to. You're letting in the dirt. I hate it. Clingy, filthy dirt everywhere. And Sunburst says, oh, there's no dirt here. Not one bit of it. Now, why don't you say hello to... And then we get some of the uh, paparazzi there. And they're like, hey, look, look here, see? And we see like a sleepwalking girl in a leather jacket and blue striped pants. And we get that... Uh, Mist floating along with a couple of evil eyes in it. And... <laughs> the paparazzi guys are awesome. Yes! Super villains on the rampage! Big <laughs> trouble for Sunburst! That's right. <laughs> That's what you need, a Greek chorus as you're fighting villains. What? <laughs> Super villains coming this way! <laughs> a fight seems I'll intimate. Keep... <laughs> Total nuclear frenzy! <laughs> He's like, no, wait, this woman's asleep. She's asleep. Ha! And while she's sleeping, she just gives him a backhand slap and knocks him through the wall. <laughs> and he's like in some poor Looney Tunes cell there who's jumping around, pointing at him. Laughing. Yes. And then the last thing he sees is that mist swallow him up as he screams and gets gobbled up by the sparkly mist. Because if you're going to get sparkled or <laughs> gobbled, you want to be you want to be by the sparkly mist, for sure. Ah, uh, you know, you didn't swallow him up. It swallows up one of the paparazzi dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the paparazzi, He's right? Sort of like there. <laughs> He's just watching it happen. That's right. <laughs> and then the mist starts to speak, and, and we get 
the mist speaking and the person that swallowed him up speaking at the same time. So it's like, you, you swallowed me. Quiet. But you swallowed me. Oh, for God's sake, shut up. He swallowed us too, you know. It's not just you who... Shut up. <laughs> Very cool. So then he, uh, the mist rolls on over to uh, the little Japanese lady and he says, you, you're coming with us. And Sunburst gets ready to do battle there. He comes running up, his arms all sunny and and hot there. And he's like, get the camera. I'll show you up. They're like, Sunburst, look there. And he looks down and there's like a tornado zipping through the hallway. He's like, now, wait a minute. Listen, why don't we stop? Stop. And then he gets swallowed up in the tornado, like one of those (laughs) Looney Tune commercial or cartoons or something. And he's just, (laughs) he's arms and legs. It's like he's in the uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's wild, it's crazy, it's live! The Adventures of Sunburn! Back after these messages. And he's screaming in the background. <laughs> and everyone's just watching on TV. That might be the end of his career. You never know. So then we kind of move the locations. We go from Japan and we end up in Paris. The land of love. And we flip over and we get the title of the book, or the title of the uh, issue, Nowhere Man. And we get Mr. Nobody. standing in a room. He's saying, groovy. And <laughs> it's great. The room is filled with, like, all sorts of little... Uh, Psychedelic posters and toys and... Yeah, little... Uh, it's a knick records and... Yes, he's got... <laughs> the Bay City Rollers... I think I had that little telephone. It looks little... like a stack of uh, Betamax tapes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All the things no one wants anymore. I yeah. know I had that phone. The phone on the little... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The rolly great. with the cord and the and little happy eyes face. Down as you go <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we got uh, Nowhere Man here. He's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got everything. Yep. Totally. All he needs is a beanbag chair. I'm sure that's off camera somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so we leave uh, Mr. Nobody for a second. We go to Doom Patrol headquarters. And they're just bringing us up to speed here. Rhea's still in a coma, but I suppose she's better off here with us than back in the hospital. I was beginning to think you guys were never going to get back. And that's Joshua speaking there. Yeah. Jane got us out of Red Jack's house, says uh, Cliff in the end. She used some sequence of names as a key. She's good at that kind of stuff. Well, you know, we had our own little bit of excitement here while the rest of you were away. Yeah, I heard, says Cliff. Uh, how are you feeling now, Dorothy? I'm fine, Mr. Steele. Anyway, no one has any idea what we can do to help Rhea? I wouldn't say that, Cliff. And the chief rolls in. I've been studying the printout, monitor the printouts, monitoring the readings, and I'm convinced there's something very strange taking place here. I've observed certain curious physiological and neurological changes. This is no ordinary coma. It's a super coma. (laughs) It's a super coma, of course. (laughs) What exactly do you mean, no ordinary coma? I believe Rhea has entered a chrysalis state, Joshua, and I believe that her body is about to undergo some kind of metamorphosis. Into what, however, I scarcely dare imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And then Cliff, you sure know how to kill a conversation stone dead, chief. (laughs) Back in Paris, we get Mr. Nobody. 
So here we are. Here we are, safe beneath the streets of Gay Paris. Safe in the secret, sacred, sub-educational sanctum. S-A-F-E. And the mission was, I take it, a screaming success. And we get the uh, misty guy coming out of his mist, and he's like, yeah, hey, I'm, hey, I used to, I'm getting really, I used to have one of angry when I was uh, <laughs> in here, a kid. The Thunderbird 2 car. And Mr. Nobody says, all the toys, all the comic books, all the silly useless things that people lose or throw away, they all end up with me. He's got to have a collection of dryer socks in there, too. Yes. <laughs> but now it's time to welcome the latest addition to our merry band. And uh, they bring in the Japanese lady and she's, don't touch me, don't touch me with your filthy, dirty hands. Let me go. Have to wash my hands. Wash everything. Ugh, dirt. The air's thick with it, sticking to my skin and the folds in my brain. <laughs> oh, I do so love the musical sound of the Japanese tongue. It's like listening to a busy typewriter. Ladies, dirt need never again be a problem when you slip into this fabulous filtered gown and gas mask. Insulate yourself against the whole wide world in this attractive outfit. Go on, be a devil. And he holds up this great big green. <laughs> Looks like... <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the quiz has got a wild, wild outfit, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a great big green garbage bag, kind of, with uh, yeah. hoses and... Decorated with Riddler question marks all over. It's very attractive. She's like, for me? Yes, for you. Now go and try it on. Lovely. Now, Lloyd, wake up, Holly, will you? So Lloyd turns to her and he's like, Holly, wake up! And she blinks open. Lloyd's outfit is pretty damn crazy, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem to have any arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically just like a sheet that goes over themselves with the eyeballs and lightning bolts and squiggles and stuff all over it. And two bicycle wheels you know, attached to his shoulder. And a top hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry. And uh, Holly wakes up and she's like, oh, are we back in Paris? Where have I been? Tokyo, says the uh, misty guy there. You what? I've been in Tokyo? I've been in Japan and I missed it? Oh, no. <laughs> Take a seat, Holly. But I've always wanted to go to Japan. Always. Oh, Holly, Holly, when we're finished, you'll be able to go anywhere because it will all be yours. Let me tell you, I have such plans for us all. But first, a story. The true life story of Mr. Nobody. Who he is and how he came to be. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Listen. You can almost hear the screeching of exotic birds. You can almost hear the rain drumming on the skylight, on the veranda. Splash. The fish jump in and choked in the choked pond, the clocks tick-tock, tick-tock. Listen. And we'll get back to his story shortly. <laughs> we zip back to Doom Patrol headquarters, and Cliff is making a list of all of Crazy Jane's uh, personalities. So he's like, Mary Andrew? How many of your personalities have male characteristics, Jane? And on the list there, we see Flaming Katie, Lady Purple, Hammerhead, Pepper's ghost, and he's writing down Mary Andrew. She says, a few. Sun Daddy is another. Driller Bill. And please, Cliff, you're not talking to Jane now. I'm Driver 8. Yeah, sorry. Listen, can we stop this for a while? This is like writing out the telephone directory. Sure, it was your idea, remember? I know, I just didn't realize what I was letting myself in for. Next time I get a good idea, tell me to shut up. 
We must have about 50 names here. And Jane says a lot of them won't come out, even for me. Some refuse to say their names. Those are the badly traumatized ones in the deep stations of the underground. You know what I'd really like to do is build up some kind of map of the underground. It's a hard concept for me to grapple with. It's like this whole landscape is in your head, but it's difficult to visualize how it all fits together. And Jane says, well, I suppose if, and then her face kind of gets all crazy, and she's like, no, Jane. Shut your horrible clanking clockwork mouth. Weld it tight, Cliff Steele. Jane, listen, who am I talking to now? No one. No one talks, and the trains run on time on the shiny old trickery tracks in the... Jane, for God's sakes. Uh, it's waiting in the painting, waiting to get me, get me, get me. Oh, something bad's going to happen. Something really bad's going to happen to poor Jane. And she falls down and puts herself in like a little uh, crunched up ball state there. Oh, God. Oh, God. Not again. And Cliff is just staring at her. That would be foreshadowing, I suspect. <laughs> Perhaps a bit. <laughs> Maybe. And now we're in full-on flashback mode with Mr. Nobody. We uh, open in a scene in Paraguay. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. So there I was in South America in steamy, surly Paraguay, bored, brainless. I wasn't Mr. Nobody then. Oh, no, I was Mr. Somebody. Mr. Morden, to be precise. Ah, see, Mr. Morden. That's very cool. The designer of the rock robot. Yes. You've probably never even heard of me. I was a member of the original Brotherhood of Evil. I was the member nobody could remember. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I was in hiding. Yeah, poor Morden. He got such a raw deal. <laughs> two of my former colleagues, two heartless devils known as the Brain and Monsieur Malat, had sworn to kill me if I ever again showed my face anywhere. <laughs> and so I spent years, years in Paraguay, driven to distraction by hideous Latin America soap operas, out-of-date <laughs> newspapers, <laughs> bananas and mosquitoes, and magic realist paperback novels. Me, whose genius was responsible for the big red robot that once kicked the crap out of the Doom Patrol. <laughs> All right, uh. My host, I must confess, was not blind to my suffering. His name, by the way, was Dr. Bruckner. Oh, Bruckner. Dr. Bruckner, no less. War criminal on the run. Strange psychological experiments in the death camps. The least said, the better. <laughs> this Bruckner, this Dr. Bruckner, said that he might be able to help me. There were, he said, certain methods, certain forbidden techniques. He mentioned the infamous White Room of Auschwitz, gibbered in German about how, if I was willing, he would transform me into a new man. I imagined plastic surgery, perhaps the careful construction of a new identity. I imagined freedom. And so, like a fool, I agreed. This is a really cool-looking page, because they have, in the, the upper right-hand corner is the panel where he's talking, all these captions are where I imagine freedom. And they're showing them outside this vault. Big circular vault door. Yeah, yeah. And then the whole bottom of the page is taken up by white space, except for a little circle where they've opened the vault door and they're looking in, like they're looking out at us. Yeah, yeah. Into white. So that's kind of cool. It is cool. And then you flip the page and we get closer into that white room. We get Dr. Bruckner with a big needle in his hand. I was desperate, you see, willing to try anything that would allow me to return to civilization unmolested. Anything. The chamber wasn't large, but it was spherical, and it was white. 
and these two qualities conferred upon it the illusion of endless space. I was strapped into a bodysuit which inhibited both movement and hearing, and I was given a powerful epidural injection into the spine. Yow. <laughs> I know, yow. It anesthetized everything below the neck. Oh, see, that's not good. <laughs> By now, I must admit, I was rather regretting my earlier eagerness. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Only now. <laughs> it was, however, as it so often is, too late for regrets. Bruckner made his exit, closed the door behind him. I couldn't move, couldn't speak, couldn't hear. I could only see, I could only see white. And I was alone, all alone, in the white room. And then we get panels and panels of uh, Morden sitting in, sitting on his chair, strapped up, and they slowly uh, move in on the close-up there of his blank face. By the end of the first day, I was completely insane. Those initial hours were very bad. I was assailed by doubts, by terrors, by hallucinations of every conceivable configuration. I endured a horror show of sensations, and then nothing. White. White forever in every direction. Minutes became centuries, became millennia, became eons. I learned later that I was in there for only three days and three nights, the traditional Celtic period of mystical trial. It was like forever. Like forever, piled on forever and forever, world without end. Yahoo! After several billion centuries, I was thoroughly convinced of my own serene divinity. Like the ascended Buddha, I was beyond Maya, beyond the veil of illusion. I knew the purity of infinite absence. And then, on the third night, something happened. We get a little tiny black speck in the middle of the white there. Just a dot, a speck, a moat, moving right to left, slowly. Eons passed, and the dot moved on. It occupied all my thoughts. I evolved whole cosmologies around this supremely mysterious and graceful presence. And then I was struck by a terrifying thought. I wondered if the dot was something small and very near, or something big and far away. I began to imagine it as some vast black horror Hundreds, thousands of miles across, a world-sized monstrosity so far away in that white void that it seemed minute. And I began to wonder what might happen if it caught sight of me. Might it not turn and come closer, growing larger, larger, blotting out the infinity of white with blackness? Larger and larger and larger and... And while he's saying this, we get close-ups on his face and... and uh, only get the mouth. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's not having a great time. That's a sheer terror face if you ever seen that. Exactly. Sheer terror, and then suddenly everything explodes. In that moment, in that catastrophic, catastrophic final instant, all that I was, had been, would be, the whole infinity of my being was erased. Mr. Morden was gone, whopped out, wild whopped out. <laughs> Frozen lips, wiped out like a chalk drawing on a slate. I had become the spirit of the 21st century, the abstract man, the virtual man, the notional man, or as Bruckner himself so aptly put it, Herr Niemand, Mr. Nobody. And we see Mr. Nobody, as we've come to expect him now, walk out of the uh, big white room. They're shooting at him and uh, does, nothing. does nothing. And this is probably the last we see of uh, Dr. Bruckner. With his own little terrified face. <laughs> then we're back in Paris and we see Mr. Nobody. 
I love how uh, Richard Case is able to make Mr. Nobody have all these expressions, even without giving him a face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got eyes in this. Eyes in this weird, weird little... Yeah. Thing. However, you totally get his mood. I killed them all, naturally, and then I made my way across the whole wide world, collecting the debris of society, the human detritus cast ashore in the wake of the gene bomb, a whole new superpowered, a whole new generation of superpowered outcasts. I'm referring to you, by the way. My dear ludicrous friends, standing there like long-lost property no one wants to claim, with stupid names and even more stupid costumes. <laughs> We've got Sleepwalk, and that's the... Uh, well, the lady that sleeps. We have the fog. We have frenzy and the quiz. God bless them, everyone. And, uh, oh yeah, so now the, uh, the fog starts to speak. So, what are we going to be doing now? Let me out. I've got a wife and a family, too. Be quiet. The new Brotherhood of Evil? No, says Mr. Nobody. No, 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 no. I've changed my mind for a better one. Good evil. Those are outmoded concepts for an antique age. Yeah. You see the foreground of that first panel there? There's uh, this, the old Spider-Man, Spider-Man oh. deal. Ego <laughs> with, uh, looks like Evil Knievel sitting in it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Excellent. Uh, can't you see? There's no good. There's no evil in our world. Um, look at us. Are we not final proof that there's no good, no evil, no truth, no reason? Are we not proof that the universe is a drooling idiot with no fashion sense? <laughs> One of the headlines in the little newspapers there is, uh, Penciler gets hitched. Doom Patrol sails up. <laughs> Excellent. From this day on, we will celebrate the total absurdity of life, the gigantic hocus-pocus of existence. From this day on, let unreason reign. The Brotherhood of Evil is dead... Long live the Brotherhood of Dada. And the pants of the vicar are closing. Right a plan, right a plan. <laughs> and that is where we end up. Yeah. Next, the painting that ate Paris. Yeah, I, I did, I did a, a minor in art history when I was in college, so I was like, Dada, all right, this is awesome. <laughs> Excellent. This is one of those books that really rewards, you know, knowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally, totally. Yes. Yeah, it was, a, it was a book where I read it and I was just like, this it was so unlike any comic I had read before. Because of, because of this, like, the, the pop culture references and the, the whole art history thing and the, just the little, the little pieces that were speaking to uh, I guess I'm more quote-unquote mature audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... He's fighting and fighting and fighting. No, but there's... Yeah, there's like a totally complete story there. Like, everything you need is right in there. Oh, yeah. It uh, gives you enough to know about the Doom Patrol that you know where they're at, and you know... You get an idea of what's going to... Of where the story might go. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. Very, very cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, this this here is the issue that you have to thank for this entire podcast. Right here. If it wasn't for this, I would <laughs> never have gotten into the control and uh, all of that dark and mysterious path. That's right. Life as we know it would be totally different. <laughs> right. 
let me see. We come up on the letters page there. Uh, we have a new editor now. We've got Mark Wade. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mark Wade starts every week. Yeah, now I think, I don't think he's doing the letter column yet. It looks like Bob Greenberger is still doing it, but, uh, but oh, yeah. soon, anyone, nobody's super famous in the uh, letter columns there. Yeah, well, the usual suspect. Yes. Uh, the editor says, I get the impression from talking to Grant, he's going to be exploring Rebus's fauceted personality over the coming months. Suffice it to say, however, that Rebus has it all together right now. So, there's that to look forward to. Yes. Ooh, we get an ad for Wild Dog. <laughs> yeah, the Wild Dog special. Yes. Now, was that right before the series, or was it after the I series? I believe it was after. After, yeah, yeah. There we go. We get Wild Dog. We get... I like Wild Dog. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read any of his stuff. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing ads for it, but I don't think I picked anything up. It's probably because he was a hockey mask. <laughs> I figure it's, it's inevitably Canadian of me to have to like Wild Dog. That's right. Hockey mask. we got to pick it up. <laughs> Excellent. Alrighty, so that is where we are at. Yes. Yes, yes. Let's... Nothing new on the uh, Doomful News front. New issue of... My Greatest Adventures. My Greatest Adventure came out, so we'll be checking that out shortly, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's... I'm enjoying it. It's a good one. Ugh. Alrighty, in the meantime, if you want to chat with us, you can uh, wander over to our website, which is doompodtroll.com. All of our episodes are there, and you can leave comments on the uh, episode threads, or you can send us an email at doompodtroll at gmail.com. Yes. Yes. Which... That would be good if you did that. Yes, because we... Totally read our mail. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. The problem with not getting so much mail, hint, hint, is that we forget to <laughs> check for it because it happens so infrequently, hint, hint. There we go. I'm doing a quick check now. <laughs> yes. We don't focus on checking it until right on the show. There we go. So that we can, you know. That's right. We want to be dead air. You know, feel really bad that uh, time count out. There you go. However, we've missed nothing. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, wasn't really worth it. Now, wasn't it? Ah, oh, uh, oh, bummer. <laughs> it worth our while. Alrighty, we will. Uh, right on. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.